0: Um, if you're new I'm Jay I'm the lead pastor we're so glad to have you here today and uh, just excited as we start this week uh, together um, as we move toward Easter as we're into this Easter week uh, it's it's a great thing and um, we've been looking at the journey of Jesus as we're leading up to the resurrection of Jesus next Sunday that we celebrate together um, and as we've been talking about the idea that Jesus really wants to step into your story and into mine, um, and as he does, providing us the way to victory is something that, uh, that for you may seem uh, impossible. May seem like wherever you are in your life right now that you're already lost or that just the word victory just maybe doesn't fit in your vocabulary right now. But let me just assure you, and and promise you that the way that we define victory is not always the way that God defines victory, and He He defines it in a different way, in an eternal way, in a better way, um, and though as His followers, a lot of times our our journey um, is marked by loss, is marked by suffering. A lot of us have been through stuff. If you're human, you've been through stuff. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, junk that has happened. But we have the hope of eternal life in Jesus. And, and it puts our suffering in perspective when we look at it through the lens of Jesus. Um, and, and he gives us a strength, really, to take up our cross and follow him every day. And so as we're following through Jesus' uh, suffering, death, and resurrection, um, we look at Um, all all the different things that happened there, today we're really gonna focus more on his suffering. And that may seem weird with it being Palm Sunday, um, but you know, his journey seems tragic, and, and though his followers expected defeat, or didn't expect uh, defeat in, in, in the way that they looked at it, they thought that they were defeated, they expected Jesus to defeat the government, and to defeat the, uh, the politics of the day, and to set up, uh, I guess from a military standpoint, a, a kingdom in the way that King David did, and to, to conquer, and, and to set things right in, in their perspective, but Jesus really showed them the beauty in the broken, and he can do that for you today, and for me as well. Um, because only God could use something so awful to make something so uh, amazing. And so the way to victory, it's not through people. It's not through prosperity, it's not through possessions. It's through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you know, God does everything with a purpose in our life. Um, I love the fact that God is a God of common sense. Uh, I know many times uh, we're not people of common sense. Um, I'm sure if, if you're a person with common sense, you understand what I'm talking about when you say that, like, there's people in your life or that you run into that you're just like, man, no common sense there. And if you don't get what I'm saying, that's you. You don't have it. And I'm sorry. Um, but, but God is a God of common sense. And throughout the story of Jesus, his miracles, his time with his disciples, um, Everything had a reason. Every miracle that he did had a, had a purpose. It was calculated. There was, um, there, there was intentionality behind it. There was a reason for why he was doing the things that he was doing. And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, this was no different. Um, one week before he was crucified, he rides into Jerusalem, and, and we're going to look at this. Um, there was so much purpose in that moment. But it was really interesting the way that things changed five days later. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. We're going to be in John chapter 12 and we're going to look at uh, verses 12 through 16 first. And then we're going to continue to move forward. If you have your Bible app, um, free app on on the App Store on any phone you've got, uh, and you can follow us if you go into events. Follow Connect Church in Akron, Ohio and you can follow along with us there. So let's look at this. John chapter 12 here. Here's what it says. The next day... The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches. They went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. That's actually a prophecy from Isaiah. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So I want you to think about that idea right there at the end, that they didn't totally understand everything that was happening right there. Because it's going to be a little bit of a theme, not only today, but next Sunday as well. Um, See, the symbolism of the king riding in on a donkey prophesied, um, prophecy fulfilled, but also symbolizing that he was coming in peace, not war. As people were expecting him to be this conquering hero, he was coming in peace. And the palm branches symbolizing him as a political and national leader and savior. His disciples didn't get it at the time. It made much more sense to them later. And that may be the truth for you as well. So let's fast forward a week. This happens, he he rides into Jerusalem. Five days later, things have changed tremendously. Comes in as this hero and everybody praising him and shouting his name, right? Five days later, after an intense week, a lot of things change, a lot of ministry happens. He's arrested in the garden. You may know the story. And that night, he's arrested and, and Jesus is put on trial and he goes through six different trials in that night. Three civil, three religious, all illegal. And then he is uh, brought before the crowd and before Pilate again because he was brought before Pilate a, a couple of times. And, and then there's this polarizing verse in John chapter 19 that I want to just kind of sit on for a minute. So flip over a few chapters of John chapter 19 and just the very first verse, it says this. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. We look at that verse it's a real simple verse. That may not carry a lot of weight with you, but, I, but I, I believe it should. It should carry a lot of weight with all of us. This was immediately, uh, or immediately before this, uh, was the story of the release of Barabbas. If you don't know that, I'll tell it real quick. Uh, Barabbas uh, was a murderer and he was in prison and he was sentenced to, to be executed. And one of the things that, uh, that was kind of a religious tradition, Jewish tradition at the time, was that they would release one prisoner. And the Jewish people decided release Barabbas instead of Jesus. They said release him. And so Barabbas was not a good dude, he was not a good guy. And they said instead of releasing Jesus, who we were saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord five days later. No, let's, let's release this guy. That happens right before this. And then it says, Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Pilate actually tried five different times in Scripture, we actually see between Luke 23 and John 19, five different times Pilate tried to release Jesus, tried to let him go. He didn't, he didn't want to go through with this. He didn't want to deal with it. Didn't see a reason to. And it wasn't working. It wasn't appeasing the people. And so Pilate did this. Had him flogged or scourged, depending on what translation of of scripture you're looking at. Now, the people of this day who this was written to knew what this meant. When you say this, they knew what this meant. He was beaten to the point of not even looking human. We see people like UFC and things like that and people really get like beat up. No, 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 This is is way more than that. He He didn't even look human. He was beaten so bad. Flogged or scourged, it was actually known as the half death because most of the time people died when they went through it. So let's go back to the common sense part of God for a minute here. And let's put that through this perspective here because if the crucifixion provided for our redemption and our salvation then what was the purpose of the scourging or the flogging? There had to be a reason, right? Because you didn't have to be scourged or flogged to be crucified. It wasn't a necessary part of it. A lot of times it was included in it but it wasn't a necessary part of it. So if everything God does is intentional why was he flogged? Wasn't it, for for lack of a better term, wasn't it overkill? Why? There had to be a reason for it. Flogging or scourging had three purposes in the ancient times. Number one, it was used to punish prisoners, just straight up punishment. Number two, it was used maybe to gain a confession from a prisoner. So like they were holding on to some information or something along those lines. And so like, we're gonna beat you until you tell us. We're gonna literally beat it out of you. Or three, in cases of crucifixion, where it was necessary, they felt it was necessary. Flogging was used to really weaken the victim um, so that they would die more quickly on the cross because people could hang there for a couple, three days before they would die. And sometimes maybe they were just like, ain't nobody got time for that so they would put them through this Jesus we know hung there for about nine hours uh, before he died even after going through what I'm going to describe to you here in a minute he was beaten with whips that are ha- leather straps with pieces of metal and bone on the end um, intended to rip and tear flesh and muscle from bone 39 times he's hit with this literally tore a person's back into strips or stripes. Few people remained conscious during it all. Most people would either pass out or, you know, as was mentioned, the half-death. A lot of people died. It wasn't unusual for someone to die going through this. And we know he was beaten beyond recognition, as the scriptures say, from this time. And Jesus took every bit of it. He took every bit of it And he stayed conscious and he stayed alive because his work wasn't finished yet. But again, I ask the question why? Why would he go through this? Let's keep reading. It says the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, they clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again. And again, saying, Hail, king of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Right there. He's trying to let him go. I see no reason for this. Pilate's saying that. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests And their officials saw him. They shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. One more time. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. So now we come to it. Now we come to the reason why they wanted to kill him. Because he claimed to be the son of God all of a sudden this became a problem see everything about this was intended to humiliate Jesus everything about this was intended to humiliate him the Jewish rulers they had already mocked Jesus as the Messiah spitting in his face beating him in Matthew 26 we see that now the Roman powers they mock him and beat him and humiliate him they make him a crown of torture You know, you think of the crown of thorns and all of those kinds of things. And, you know, when they put it on his head, it didn't just hurt that one time. It continued. Like there was continued pain there. Literally was a crown of torture. Matthew says he was stripped naked, stripped naked, and given a reed, you know, just basically a stick, as a fake scepter. And he was just like stood there with his crown. And they put the purple robe on him. And he's got this scepter. And they make fun of him. Hail, King of the Jews and they're making fun of him and all of that. They, it, the, the color of, of the robe was actually listed here. Not too many times in Scripture do you see the color of cloth actually mentioned, but here it is because it was intentional to make fun of him. Purple is used for kings and, and all of that. The guards, they bow a knee to him, paying homage to the king of the Jews and then spit on him some more. The Pilate, I believe he hoped that this punishment, this humiliation for Jesus would really satisfy the crowd. I think in many ways that was his intent there. Pilate was looking for some sympathy and some remorse to just get this over with. But there was none. There was none. And there's a sense in which Pilate in in some ways, and hear me out on on this, there's a sense in which Pilate kind of spoke for God in some ways here to humanity if you really want to put it in this perspective he kind of says here he is here's the man is, is this what you wanted see here's, here's the perfect man the, the son of God tested and approved by all of humanity is this what you wanted are you happy because this should be you Charles Spurgeon who was a theologian incredibly smart guy said this. Oh, that we were half as inventive in devising honor for our king as these soldiers were in planning his dishonor. Let us offer to Christ the real homage that these men pretended to offer him. (coughs) Excuse me. How does that sit with you? That doesn't sit well with me when I think about it because in many ways that hits close to home because I'm just as guilty there in a a lot of ways when I think about it. Instead, what does humanity do? What do we do? We've, We've rejected Jesus. They reject him yet he didn't reject us. He didn't reject us. His love for us was greater than our rejection of him and he knew what was needed to save us. He knew that blood is God's currency for the payment of sin. This may sound like weird and grotesque to us, but this is the way God set it up, that blood is God's currency for the payment of sin. Why, again, I ask the question, why? Let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Leviticus 17, going to Old Testament here for a minute, says this, for the life of a creature is in the blood. We don't argue that and I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So atonement, the word atonement, it actually means to make a wrong right. When something is atoned for, that wrong is made right. And according to scripture, according to God, our creator, if you believe that God created everything, then he makes the rules, and 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 we know that blood is what gives life. Think about that, and so as us being spiritually dead because of our sin, it takes a blood atonement to make a wrong right. Hebrews nine twenty two says this. In fact, the law requires, and that's talking Old Testament, requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we see the way in which God has set things up here. And Jesus knew this because he was there from the beginning. And so Jesus knows this. The religious leaders know this, but they're not thinking about it in the same way. They don't understand it in the way that Jesus understood it. He knew that perfect blood would be required to cover your sin and to cover mine. And he knew that the punishment was necessary to make that happen. And the only perfect blood that has ever existed is his. He knew the pain that he would have to go through and that his love for you and for me is why he went through it all. And in John 17, he even asks God if there's any other way as he's praying before he's arrested He's like, God, if there's any other way. And there wasn't. So he submitted to God, submitted to God's authority, and he took it. And you know why he took it? Because you were on his mind. Let that sit with you for a minute. Why was he flogged? So that you and I didn't have to be. Because he knew... He could take it. And he knew that you and I couldn't. Jesus, the one true king, was mocked and beaten and given a fake crown of pain and then rejected by the people that he came to save who then executed him. And we've heard this so often. And we've heard this story so many times that maybe it's lost its depth to you can I just ask you to like just take a breath for a second look at me just refocus for a minute we hear the story all the time Jesus died on the cross da 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 can you let that sit with you just for a minute the the truth and the reality of this with this statement in mind I want to challenge you this week as we go into this Easter week take some time this week maybe take a walk maybe take a drive maybe just get alone with God for a little bit And really consider what Jesus willingly went through for you with you on his mind. And I'm not talking about like the global like you, like all of you. Yes, there is that for sure. But now listen to me for a second. Yes, you, specifically you, individually you. It says in the Old Testament that he knows every hair on your head whether you have any hair or not. But he does. The individual relationship that we have with God, the individuality, he knows every little thing about you. So yes, when I say, I can't get my head around what that really means and what that looks like, but when I say that you specifically were on his mind, yes, you, insert your name here as he was going through that. I don't know how that happens, but that's because he's God and I'm not and neither are you but he was 100% man and 100% God. And in that moment, in those times, while he was going through that suffering and through that pain, he did it for you. Every single one of us. I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, when, when he goes through the, the flogging and the scourging in that movie, but that wrecks me every time. And if you watch that this coming week, and it's hard, hard to watch because that's probably the closest you'll ever see visually to how it really was. But I'm being honest with you. When I say this, it was probably worse. If you've seen it. That scene is so hard to get through. But if you watch that scene with this statement, this truth going through your mind when you watch this, when you watch every hit that he takes, and you think that through. Look, I don't cry at too many movies, but I can, it, it is hard to get through that as I even think about it right now. It, it wrecks me. And it should wreck you in all the right ways, knowing what Jesus did with you on his mind. And I'm not overselling it. When he took those shots, when he felt that pain, when he went through more physical torment than you will probably ever have to endure, well, I, hope, I hope that's the truth for any and all of us. Listen, it was all for you and for me. Let that sit with you this week. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this. And he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross So that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. Those six words should carry a lot of weight with you. By his wounds, you were healed. Some translations say, by his stripes. Instead of rejecting Jesus, we recognize him as our Savior and our King, and we confess our faith to Him. Jesus' suffering and death, they were necessary for our salvation. And we are set free from the power of sin and death and enabled and empowered to live lives that glorify God because of what He did for you and for me. That is what we celebrate this week. That is what we celebrate every week. That is what we celebrate every day. And we honor Christ and remember his sacrifice as we love and serve people around us. This is where it all comes together. See, we can be healed and we can be restored by Jesus suffering for us. And the eternal consequences for our sin are gone. Amen? Let the weight of that sit with you for a minute, the celebratory fact that our sin is gone because of what he did for you and for me. Yes, with you. Yes, you, specifically you, on his mind. So the connection point for the day and the connection point for this week that I want you to just walk with this week and let's sit on you this week as we go into this week of, of Easter and the Passion Week is this. The suffering of Jesus provided the way to our victory. He went through that to provide a way to our victory because it was necessary, because he loved you, and still loves you. He was taking the punishment of the sins of the world so that we might not have to suffer the consequences of our sin and our wrongdoings. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed The paradox of the good news of Jesus that we talked about last week, whether you were here or not, the the upside down nature of of God's kingdom sometimes doesn't make sense because of that, but we talked about that a little bit last week. And this is it in full display here, because through his suffering provides a, a way for our victory. And we praise him and worship him for that. That we are a new creation, we are a new creature, that we are who he says we are. He took the pain and he took the suffering that you and I rightly deserve to rescue us from our brokenness and from our sin because we can't do it on our own. Because no person, no possession, no anything, no good deed that you can do can make your blood perfect enough to atone for your sin. And accepting the gift from Jesus is as simple as recognizing your need for him recognizing your need asking for forgiveness and turning to him turning from our selfish ways and trusting ourself that always comes up short because we do we always come up short when we trust ourself and trusting him this is bigger than just your present circumstance right now this is way bigger than that Yes, it will affect that. Absolutely. But it's so much bigger than that. In Romans 10, 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on him? Will you call on him? You may have heard this a thousand times. I hope it sits a little different for you today. I hope this hits you in a new way right now. To not let this moment pass and to let the Holy Spirit continue to move and to speak to you right now. Ignore the distractions that that the enemy is trying to pull you away and listen to what God is saying right now. Maybe you've heard this a thousand times, but you've never really called on the name of the Lord. What's holding you back? Because you know what held Jesus back? Nothing, because you were on his mind. Can you bow your heads with me? We're going to sing and worship here in just a minute. As the spirit continues to move, I wonder if you've never called on the name of the Lord to be saved if that's something that maybe you need to do today as we go into this Easter week maybe this is making sense in a whole new way for you whatever you need to say whatever you need to do to get right with the Lord will you make that decision today will you call on the name of the Lord today To be saved because who he says you are matters, and he did it all for you. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you, God, that you love us so much. Lord, that you went through every every bit of suffering, every bit of punishment with us on your mind. You did it for us because your love for us is so much greater than our rejection of you. Lord, every day we make the choice. to follow you or to reject you in the way that we live our life. And and sometimes, God, we we don't do a very good job. Lord, we need your your love and your grace and your forgiveness every day. Lord, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, Lord, if there's somebody who's heard this a hundred times, but something's been in the way for them to call on your name, Lord, I pray that whatever that is would be pushed away through the power of your Holy Spirit that Jesus, they would call on your name and be saved today. That there would be a party in heaven today for someone who's called on the name of the Lord to be saved. Because your word says that that's the truth, that the angels will be celebrating. Holy Spirit, I pray you would continue to move through this place as we worship you and we praise you. Lord, I pray all of us would walk through this week with, with a little more of a heavy heart for what you've done for us and remember that you, we were on your mind as you went through this, as you go through this, as you you went through it. And, And Lord, as we celebrate next week that you conquered sin, you conquered death, you conquered the grave and you rose again. Father, and we cannot wait for you to come back and we thank you that we are your children. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd continue to move through this place now in Jesus' name.